Don't do the scene after the scene. Don't you even think Do not pass on this icon. The defense is wrong. No, the defense is wrong. No, no, the defense, defense is wrong. wrong. And Joe Pesci, look, how do you know? And she goes, I'm positive. I'm positive. Penelope Cruz. Oh, my biological clock, clock is, is ticking like this. And, and the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. The deer with the little bill, bam, Rosie Perez. Oh, my. I almost respect you Bitch, for saying who is this? In the bedroom nominee. Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, we get it. You're gay. Seriously? You couldn't get Marissa Tomei, but you got Alicia Vikander? I told you I didn't want to play. That's actually the problem with Hollywood. It's people like you who forget about Marissa Tomei, but they remember Alicia Vikander. I mean, wow. she was really great in Ex Machina. You need to stay out of this, you. I think this scene exemplifies what I love about Fire Island. The movie or the location? <laughs> the we should specify that in the first 30 seconds of this episode. The movie written by Joel Kim Booster. I love this scene because it exemplifies what I love about the movie, which is all of the details that this movie holds. They're all so right on. I mean, I once they said nominated for In the Bedroom, I said, fine, this movie can stay. <laughs> Fine, fine. I'll, I like an in the bedroom reference. Okay, like listen. There's a there's a lot I could I could take issue with, but an in the bedroom reference. No, but it's uh, it's, it's everything. It's everything. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. It's yeah. everything. And I I hate to be so hyperbolic, but like for them to just throw this in, it is. Her performance in My Cousin Vinny is not talked about enough. Like, when, when they were like, oh, this is the problem, you know, with, with people in Hollywood now. They forget about Marissa Tomei. It's, it's so true. The performance was so good. I think my favorite detail of the scene is when they show Bowen Yang's character, Howie, and he's doing his own version of the, of the speech of, no, the defense is wrong. Like, he mouths it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows, hears it in their head. Yeah, it, it's like this is just a a. Um, it's it's kind of like if there was like a village that had a traditional song that everybody sang around the fire. Mm. Well, this is like a variation of that for for many gays. For many, and I understand that it is a niche reference. I get it. It's not Mommy Dearest, but thank God it wasn't Mommy Dearest, right? Well, I mean, it, it, that, I mean, right away opens up the, like, you know, the conversation that we've probably even had before of, like, well, what references are are we, you, they expected to know? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and, like, how that changes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, even Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny, there are people who are like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are younger gays and probably older gays. But for example, there could be like a 21 year old gay who knows Britney Spears like the back of his eyelids, but could tell you jack shit about Marissa Tomei. Well, what I think is really important about the addition of the scene is that much like Fire Island now catching the eye of people that maybe were curious about it or thought about going there or didn't know too much about it. They're going to be just as curious now about Marissa Tomei's performance in My Cousin Vinny. So, 
It's a and win-win. in the bedroom. And, and in, in the, the bedroom. bedroom, Mary. But listen, in the bedroom is not a rom-com. It is not a comedy. I saw that movie when I was a kid, and I thought it was going to be like this romp with Marissa Tomei, like uh-huh. uh, Nick Stahl. Like I just thought, oh, in the bedroom, like pillow fighting. Instead, you get you get best supporting Celia Weston and Sissy, Sissy Spacek, Spacek smashing a dish. Oh, the dish. Oh. You let him get away with everything. <laughs> she channeled her. Oh, and when she slapped Marissa Tomei in the face. That's the scene, Mary. <laughs> that scene, the way she frantically puts her headphones back on and turns her walking back on, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, that, God. Okay, yeah. so already we are celebrating the movie Fire Island because of these details. There's a lot of details in this movie that I think are important to point out, important to celebrate. Uh, I think this movie is a is a really great summer romp. You know, it's a rom-com. And, you know, they did reference Clueless, which I have to give points to. They said uh, uh, that was way harsh, Ty. Um, uh-huh. Which I didn't know this until you told me. This is a a loose kind of retelling or remake of Pride and Prejudice. And to be perfectly clear, when somebody mentions Jane Austen or like a classic novel like that, like I kind of turn off, don't kill me. You know, I know, I don't know who Marissa Tomei is. Oh, I don't know Jane Austen uh, uh, books, but... Elizabeth Bennet. (laughs) Yeah, like that name doesn't mean anything to me. But because of this movie, I went and read the synopsis. So I get it now. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's funny you mentioned Clueless because Clueless is based on Emma. Yes, yes, that I so knew. So, that I knew. Th- things that we love have, you know, Austin, Jane Austen, and or whoever else, those girls, maybe a Bronte or two, mm. right at the heart of it, you know. Yeah, and what's interesting about you know the Beverly Hills Brats and the Brats of Fire Island is there's a really, really brilliant and almost like satirical connection to the hoi mm-hmm. the, the hoi polloi you know absolutely and that was one of the things i mean obviously clueless is you know a sort of classic satire of, of beverly hills life and being a teenager in the 90s and all that and i was not that i was like thinking that fire i don't i didn't know what to expect of fire island but i was afraid or i didn't know that it was going to have that i thought it was just going to show you the typical kind of like yeah glamorized you know gaycation mm. of fire island and not address all the things that it did address and in a way that was yeah um a sort of moodier indie cousin of clueless on the east coast agreed yeah it is kind of like a moody cousin if i were to rename this movie anything i'd call it pride and preciousness oh oh pride and precious and precious oh. yeah um <laughs> Pines and preciousness. <laughs> Did you bring back my precious? Yes. <laughs> Pines and precious. There you go. Pride Pines because of gay pride, right? So. Well, sure, but you know, if if we're gonna if pride and preciousness and in, in the pines. Mm, in the in the bedroom? No, in the pines. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's another movie. <laughs> that's it. That's another movie with Marissa Tomei nominated for best supporting actress and a fabulous featured ensemble performance by Celia Weston. I so Mary, yeah. Here we are talking about Fire Island. When was the last time you went there? Oh, I mean, I I think I went there once years ago. Years and years. I mean, like twenty 
2013, 2012, something like that. I was still with Steve at that oh, point. Oh, you're with somebody? Okay. I was, yeah. So I was with somebody. He was, we were long distance. So I wasn't physically with anybody, but I was, uh, I, I had signed the contract. Yeah. Did you uh, fuck around and find out? Like, uh, no. What oh, nothing. No, I, no, I'll tell you what. I didn't, I did not do, I mean, I, I went with my, cause my, my friend and his husband had a house out there and it was a real, it was a perfect kind of hosting situation in that they like, you know, were kind of veterans of the pines and all that. So they, they could introduce me to people and they could take me and do the whole fucking routine. And so, we, you know, we did the tease and the this and the that. And, and I think he even, took me to see the dick doc one night but i didn't do anything i just looked and uh, to be honest with you nobody was doing anything they were just standing around like a bunch of seagulls oh i love seagulls yeah caw, caw. Uh, <laughs> cock, cock. on you sorry yeah cock, um, cock. yeah <laughs> uh mine mine okay i'm done yeah, um exactly. so no i i you're bringing up an interesting point as a teacher for 10 plus years that was I was a teacher when I was first introduced to the Pines. Obviously, I didn't have I had the summer to maybe have a share, but I did not have the salary to have a share and a share. Um, so I was always invited by wealthier gays. And one of the one of the coolest premises that this movie just kind of bases a lot of its conflict and conversations on is uh, capital, whether it be kind of like culture capital or like actual capital. Um, you know, if it's Aaron and how she has the house, Margaret Cho's character, or if it's, you know, <clears throat> the rich white gays that invite, you know, the Motley crew to the party. Um, yeah, it it's very much when you're on that on Fire Island, especially in the Pines, you're either those that can have property there or those that can't. That is, I, that's a big part of it, and I think I'm glad that it got highlighted in this movie because I think for as many, you know, beautiful, you know, perfectly located pool in the front, all you know, big inflated duck, you know, the big inflated duck raft. Oh no, it, it's not the duck; it's the it's the unicorn. Oh, it's the unicorn. Excuse me, the unicorn. That's what I meant. Or I the swan. Yeah. Yeah, the swan is what I'm thinking of, but it's the unicorn. So you might have like, like there is, you know, kind of like all of that, but I mean. There are just as many like three bedroom houses with eight people, you know, trying to like, you know, share a space. And I think there is something kind of interesting about the. Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of haves and have nots, the class system of something as small as and as minor and as undeveloped as the Pines. Yeah, exactly. The idea that class really does play a role on the island, uh, even between the Pines and Cherry Grove. There's like a class structure for something that is so rooted in the gay community. I I just I, I, I was glad that the movie never strayed away from it, that it was always a big part of the conflict between Charlie and his friends. And uh, I guess not Noah, you pick Howie and his friends. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't just like a whole movie of like everything happened between people at, uh, in the Charlie and his friends mm. cast, so to speak. Yeah. And, it was, uh, yeah, th th there was a night, and they, like, very kind of easily explained why Aaron, you know, Margaret Cho's character yeah. had the house. Love that. From, you know, <laughs> and, and that that wasn't, you know, uh, set either, that this was the last summer for that. Like, I, I appreciated that there wasn't, like, I was, I, I was reading some other, like, reviews and whatnot, which really kind of helped me maybe more appreciate this maybe than I did when it, I watched it, but... Uh, 
the the Atlantic, if you will, their little sort of subtitle was that describing that vacation is not liberation. And I mm. thought, well, like, like, yeah, there's such an idealized view of Fire Island, and it is great, and it is really fun. And I think the movie also captures what's, what can be magical and special about it. But I think um, they would be missing out on a huge opportunity to not also acknowledge the, like, the the class structure but also like the the casual racism and the fetishization oh my god yes like yes i'm so glad we got to see all of that because like yes that's real and it was if this was just like love between like rich white gays and fire island like girl you know who cares yeah move on move on right yeah, but again, I'll go back to those details. And yeah, the casual racism was one of the details that I thought was brilliantly put in. Um, in particular, I think the, the, the most nuanced one was at the very end. I'm just going to skip there. And it's when um, Reese, Reese comes up to Charlie when Noah is trying to convince him to like stop Howie getting on the ferry. It's just placed so quietly and perfectly when he's like, oh, that uh, that little Asian guy, like like the, the 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 audacity. Right. Like how? No. What? What are you talking about? Oh, that little Asian guy. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like I'm, I'm sort of remembering what you're talking about. But yeah, like I feel like the the sentiment, it's it's sort of similar, but not obviously as racially charged as when. Uh, oh. Noah overhears Will saying like you're not good looking enough to be this annoying you know but that is or Cooper or Cooper in the bathroom I think that was also a, a, another like form of the casual racism when he was like oh but I think his mom's white or he's like oh I like no I, I like that he's from a different culture or something like that oh is that where he was talking about Will Oh yeah, or, he was talking about Will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think that there is like what we're seeing in the movie is obviously there's there's the racial thing, but there's also just the like how you know conventionally good looking you are is like how much you can get away with you know among people, and it's kind of similar to like you mm. know a really hot person not having a good sense of humor, like that idea of like no one's ever made no one, everyone's always laughed at your dumb jokes because you're so good looking. You've never had to try, you know. <laughs> Wait, tell me what he said. Tell me what he said. Is this where the orgy is? Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. exactly, exactly. That's exactly that. And I feel like it, I love that we're also seeing that in a way that, to be honest, I feel like. I did not appreciate probably until we're talking about it right now of like, oh, this movie had a lot of little things going on in it. And I think it's be I didn't see them because I came in determined for this to just for this to be something I had to endure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was like, oh, I'm going to have to endure this. I was excited to watch it. I was really excited to watch it. I uh, became a fan uh, very randomly of Conrad's. Because I started watching uh, Conrad Ricamora, who plays um, Will, uh, Will um, because I was I started watching Schmurder, and like he is the hottest thing on that show. So when it was revealed to me that he was going to be in this movie, obviously I love Bo and Yang. So it was oh, and then I found out Margaret Cho was going to be in it. I was like, okay, I'm going to like this movie. This is this is something I'll like invest myself into. I uh, yeah, I mean I. What I knew of it kind of going in was obviously I knew about Margaret Cho and I've seen Bowie on on SNL and I've heard some episodes of his podcast with Matt Rogers, uh, who plays Luke. I don't know if you've ever listened to Las Culturistas. I have listened to an episode or so. Yes. 
It's you know I here's a fair here's here's a here's a fair sentiment. I imagine some people have listened to us and had a similar reaction that I had to Las Culturistas of like, oh god, too much, enough. Yeah, I not can't. for me, not for me, too That's much. Fine. Yeah, like you two need to calm down <laughs> and. <laughs> And I just like I had to just accept like it was a really humbling moment of like I don't want to have this I don't want to listen to you two queen out for the next hour and a half and I thought you know what turnabout's fair play I'm sure someone said the same thing about me once so oh, yeah. it's that's yeah. life you know yeah no no it, and yeah and that's fine um, but yeah so I I invested into the movie and I I was excited because I had just spent a week on Fire Island. So it was like fresh in my mind. I'm going there again. So it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay, okay, what are they going to say about it? What's this cute little rom-com going to say? And I have to say, I, I'm somebody that loves rom-coms. I do. I do. I, I love the Meg Ryan ones, J-Lo, all, however terrible they are. You know, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. And I, 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 as you know, Mary, we've talked about gay rom-coms on this podcast before. Um, Adam and Steve comes to mind. Trick is another one. Uh, we just did Jeffrey, or we're going to do Jeffrey on Thursday. Um, and I, yeah, this, this scratched all of my itches. And then some, because it was uh, modeling itself after Pride and Prejudice. So it was a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I um, I do not have the Fire Island connection. I think it's something I'll probably visit at some point in my life. You know, I mean, I think it's also like I do not want to share a space with anybody. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to do it unless I can do it a way that I want to, you know? Yeah. So that could be later in life, which is fine. Um, but I don't have like a like a like an intense urge. So I like it's interesting to kind of like see this in between two trips going there to see like well, how did this reflect my experience in the past and how will this influence, I say my, I should say your, your experience in the next trip? You know what I mean? Like, for example, when they talk about, like, you know, time's different in Fire Island and a, a day could be a week and, and you, you age like a dog, apparently. Uh, <laughs> does that resonate? No, that didn't resonate at all. There were some things that I was like, no, no. No, not me. And, and and not no, it's wrong, but not me, not me. Because I don't want to be somebody that's like, this was so unrealistic. Because that's not where I'm at when I watch this movie. But I will say, I am not somebody that understands the drug culture. So when they all, like, poured out their drugs on the table, like, sure, that could be all real and fine and no shame, whatever, live your lives. But I, that is not something that I've ever or probably ever will be a part of. Uh, so I can't really speak to that like party culture. Um, I can speak to something that I thought was really interesting in this movie. I think it was, oh God, what? who said it? Maybe it was Noah, but it was the, I, the sentiment of like, oh, I got to, there's a lot of pressure, right? To make this to, to make this week worth it because it's going to be mm -hmm. his last week there, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is, that's like very common, right? That's a common understanding that you got to, that you're going to measure the success of your trip based on how many guys you have sex with, how many, how much drugs you do, how much drinking you do, how many people you meet, all of that. And it's just a lot of pressure that I, I don't think, fits everybody 
I mean, that is, it's like, as you were saying that, I, the, the, what came to mind, what my mind was as the velvet rage kind of washes onto the shores of fire islands, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's so like, it's so, I mean, I, I understand that and I could understand a like stage two version of myself that would completely prescribe to that and not so much as a like, oh, then I would like party all weekend or like fuck a bunch of guys or whatever, but more of like how I felt about the trip would be measured against not only my experience of how much I did all of that, but other people's as well. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Of like, did I have as good of a week on fire Island as he did. You know what I mean? Like, did I go to as many parties? Did, was I busy as well? You know what I mean? Was I desired as much as well? And I think like there's something about, I don't know, like th- this kind of concentration of, of, of gaze, you know, in one spot with not much else to do, but drink and fuck where it's like, man, what that brings up like man, or what that exposes, I should say. Well, it makes me think of, high school seniors and the prom pressure it's like prom pressure yeah. for gays you know how do i make mm-hmm. this count oh i have to live up to the the fantasy of the after party oh i have to have sex after prom oh prom need, we have to we have to get a limo we have to do this oh there's all of these things that need to be perfect and if i want prom to be the best time of my life i want to remember it forever and i only have this one shot right And so you measure it based on the narratives that are created. And this movie does a good job at like at once creating a narrative for people to measure it against, which is problematic, but also commenting on how ridiculous that narrative is. Yeah. I mean, I think a a, a sort of example of that is like, you know, the, the conceit of the movie obviously is this group of friends are going to Fire Island for a week and it's going to be their last summer in this house that Erin owns because she's got to sell it but at the the beginning of the movie like kind of the I guess the the driving action is that like Noah wants his friend Howie played by Bowen Yang to you know enough with this romantic idea of meeting the perfect prince I need you to get laid on this trip you have to have sex on this trip I'm not having sex until you have sex and I am so glad that by the end of the movie, Howie and Charlie don't have sex. Like they, he doesn't mm. do they? No, no, uh, they no. Don't. I was right. gonna say it's a actually a really unexpected scene where uh, you know Noah's trying to convince Bowen to stay, and he's like, you know, they're having that kind of actually really nuanced conversation without saying it, like you're the only one that gets what it feels like to feel unwanted like this. And, you know, all of that is, you know, Asian mm-hmm. and uh, being different. Um, but he says, you know, your rules, they don't work for me. And I don't know if they work for you either. Mm. And it just shows that, like, Howie was paying attention. Howie was also watching Noah as much as Noah was watching Howie. Because if you look at Noah, I mean, Noah is living, you know, not the the... Uh, cucumber life, but the banana life. You know what I mean? Like, you like that reference? Um, yeah, yeah. Look at that. I, <laughs> I, I, I get that reference. I watched one episode of each of those series, and I watched them in the wrong order. Banana was a weird start. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. Yeah, you should always start with uh with with something smaller, Mary. Something smoother. Um. I know. I know. I should maybe peel it first. That little stem at the end really. Scratches the old tunnel, you know. Ouch. Um. So. Yeah. Uh. But no. I. I. It's interesting because 
the movie also does celebrate Noah's perspective, right? The idea of the ethical slut and non-monogamy, which is, I think, very kind of a la mode right now. Um, something that a lot of people are talking about. There's a lot of open relationships on Grinder and Scroof and all of the apps and stuff and all of that. And you know what? Like, live and let live. All of that's great. What I like about Bowen kind of coming back or how he coming back and being like, well, hey, you know, like, it doesn't have to work for everybody. Stop putting this on me. I don't need to come out here and, like, fuck like you do. Right. I mean, I think, as you know, it's interesting because, in a way, you would almost expect Howie and Howie's kind of approach to sex and dating and romance to be the main character and Noah to be the kind of, like, promiscuous friend who's more of a B-plot. And so this was really mm. a refreshing, like, energy of, like, oh, wow, we're, the, we're actually following you know, the the slutty one. It's kind of like watching a horror movie and, and the <laughs> slutty one is the final girl. You know what I mean? It's usually the virginal one, but like that would be Rose so McGowan. interesting. Yeah, right, right. yeah but if like, <laughs> yeah. But if the buxom slutty girl who shows her tits survives to the end, now that's interesting, <laughs> you know? We don't see that very often. We never get to see that. We never no. <laughs> no, I feel like this is a call to any Marys, especially our horror movie Marys, where there is an unexpected final girl, you uh, know, like I can think of one movie, but uh, which one? Oh, it's a weird like monster movie. It's a bunch of people like locked in a bar fighting off monsters outside and like three different characters you think are going to be the hero get killed. And then it's like, oh, she's the final girl. Oh, OK. Wow. Uh, but I can't remember what it's called. So mm. great story. But that anyway, that's kind of the feeling of Noah of like, oh, Normally, that kind of energy and character isn't validated as the main character. And if they are, they have to change by the end. Right. And I kind of love it kind of to corroborate this. Like at the end, Conrad uh, Will is like, well, yeah, you know, monogamy is not really for me. Right. And then he's mm -hmm. like, but I want that. And then he, it's subverted again. He's like, yeah, I want to dance right now. And I, I just love that, like, hat on a hat that happened uh, because, yeah, it wasn't, oh, yeah, I'm looking for one guy. And, oh, you're the, you're the one that's going to change me and tame me. Instead, it was like, no, it's okay, Noah, if you, if you want to, you know, still have sex with different people. But, you know, it's okay also for Howie to want one dude. Well, and I think, you know, what I like about the end of this is, well, there, it's certainly a happy ending everything is not all in a neat bow. I thought that like the rich people were going to buy Aaron's house and they would, the house would be saved oh. and that doesn't happen. The house is going to be sold. This is going to be their last summer. And what's more, Charlie and will, I think are both from California or maybe at least will is from California. And so, and I think maybe Charlie's from New York, but, Bo, but Bo or Howie is from San Francisco. So there's also the idea that like these relationships mm -hmm. without saying it, it's like, this is a summer loving, you know? Oh, yeah. Flings. Flings on Fire Island. I mean, those are, God, it's like every day. You know what I mean? It, 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 that is very realistic. I, yeah, it's kind of unsaid at the end. What would happen? What could happen? Who knows? You know, if he's a graphic designer, if Howie's a graphic designer at a startup company, like, he could do that anywhere, you know? But uh, it doesn't seem like Howie is going to move back east. It did seem that way. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get the impression that anyone was going to be relocating for anybody or any long-term plans would be made. So, um, which I think is, yeah, which I think is also 
realistic and fair. And you could have a three-month situationship with someone and be like, hey, that was amazing. Wow. Good one. Glad we never got to the bad part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I definitely think there was a lot here that what was new and was you know well i can't speak to the fire island things they're talking about i definitely think the you know um just that energy towards like you know what it means to meet someone and and like them and have a connection and have it not then automatically get on the the you know relationship roller coaster you know like that i think is real and you don't see that very often at all in movies yeah it was cute that they did a puzzle together it was cute you know that uh, howie was basically defending the fact that they were having a conversation for 27 minutes instead of either a having sex or b like talking about who's a top who's a bottom if he likes to eat ass etc you know moving the grinder conversation to verbal uh it, it yeah those those connections i think are we're ready to have that conversation as a gay culture, I think, right now. We're ready to kind of have this reckoning between the Noahs and the Howies. Well, I think, you know, it, it made me think about, and I think on Far Island, this is probably very accurate for flings and hookups and whatnot, is like the ways and the extent to which we get to know each other in these situations, you know, where it's like you could you could like fully eat someone's ass and not know their name until you're like pulling your pants on afterwards, you know? But like, does that mean you didn't have an intimate connection? You know what I mean? Like, does that mean that like during the sex, when you were face to face, there wasn't like an intimacy, you know what I mean? And I think, um, I think what we see with Howie is like a counterpoint to that for gay men where it's like, actually you could totally be in a bedroom alone for 27 minutes and do a puzzle and talk about coming out. So you don't have to eat each other's asses, but I think we're seeing both presented as like, yeah, these are ways of being, you know, and one is not wrong. Yeah. It, it, there's the Noah perspective. Monogamy is a disease created by straight people to make us less interesting, right? Obviously doing a puzzle and talking about coming out stories is less interesting than, oh yeah, he ate my ass and then sung the national anthem into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously yeah. one is more interested than interesting than the other um, in one paradigm. Cause it is all about mm -hmm. paradigms. Well, like, and one can look at the other ways of doing Fire Island and be like, oh, God, like, like, I can understand why Noah would think, oh, you're wasting those 27 minutes, Howie. And I can understand how Howie could feel like, like, you're, you're forcing something on me that just like, isn't for me. Like, I, I just think that like, both ways of, of being a gay man kind of exist in parallel lanes of this movie. Yeah, I, I think they can criticize one another, they can question it, but no one is ever they're best friends to change. Yeah. yeah like, they're best friends still. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. The question is still there. Bowen was still asking Noah, why are you doing push-ups right now? And then Noah, because it's his paradigm is like, Oh, well, I, you know, I want to, I want to feel, you know, buffed up. Like it's no brainer, but Bowen's yeah. like, dude, why, what, what are you doing? Right. And Noah is an, an interesting one kind of using that as an example. I feel like Noah is an interesting character and they sort of touch on this, but like, obviously Noah slash Joel Kim Booster is in incredible shape, is very fit. Mm. But there's also that thing of like, oh, you felt you needed to do this to keep up with everybody else 
perhaps because you're Asian or because you're, you know, not uh, sure bear or whatever. Yep. But like, you know, I think they very much explore that being Asian and, you know, in on Fire Island can come with its own uh, challenges. But I think there's also that insecurity when you're when you're mixing in a community that says no fats, no femmes, no Asians and puts it on T-shirts. I think it's interesting of like, well, I can't control that, but I can try to meet the like physical ideal that you look for from your other white friends, you know? Right. You, you want to be at least one, right? You know uh -huh. what I mean? It started right off the bat. Right. There's also that scene with that creepy guy that was like, you're Korean, right? I could just tell. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that is another example of that just like casual racism that like isn't racist, but or doesn't seem racist, but is. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Um, yeah. It's like, but I'm appreciating your yeah. culture. <laughs> oh, and, oh yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. That line. <gasps> I screamed when he was like, well, girl, he had like five anime tattoos. I screamed. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean these should be these should be flags to address. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but it all started right on that the 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 Fire Island ferry, which is everybody's start to their experience on Fire Island. Um, you know, it, it's always a version of this, though. I will say, I will say, unless it's raining, when those this, guys, yeah, uh -huh, when when yeah. they when they took off their shirts, Mary, like. It that 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 is true. It is such a thing. It it did feel very like it was so it's so funny because it's such a it's so fitting that this happens almost like and maybe this doesn't happen every time, but in this movie it all happens at a synced moment. Like, oh, this is when we take our shirts off on the ferry because that's how mm -hmm. all of the pines works. This is when we go to low tea. This is when we go to high tea. This is when we have dinner. This is when we go to the TikTok. There's just this like ingrained routine, and it's so funny how that can start like on the boat. Like, when do you start the the preening or the or the you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When, when do taught. you show off? It's yeah. taught. It's also just like learned by your friend group and who you bring to the island. I remember. Last month when I went, I was sitting on the shuttle behind two very muscly, white, gorgeous gay men. And it was one guy's first time going on Fire Island. And I heard the other guy telling him everything, Mary. It was fascinating. It was like I was watching like a realer version of this. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, just like explaining how things work through his own forms of currency right and that's the other that's the conversation that i think was so important on the ferry uh and noah says that he's like whatever i'm still invisible to most of these people and it's the idea that like race masculinity abs uh whatever it is it's each is a form of its own currency so if noah is asian but he has abs and he's thin and he's kind of masculine that's yep. enough right you can be poor and st rich people will still want you if you have these three coins, you know? Yeah, you can still, like, it's kind of like when you go to the DMV and you have to have forms of identification. It's like, you know, hot, fit white guys are just like, here's my passport. I only mm -hmm. have one, you know? Right, but, right. like, you know, it's at least in this kind of world, but I totally, it's like someone like Noah is like, okay, well, I've got my birth certificate, I've got this piece of mail, I've got, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, will this be enough to get my driver's license? And I, I, I guess I think everybody does that to some extent. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I, I do think it, it does come down to like, 
your your race, your body type, your slash attractiveness, and your level of masculinity. And like, so as a white guy, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've got that, you know, birth certificate already figured out in terms of forms of ID. And so like now all I have to do is like lose 15 pounds and stop talking with such a head voice. You know what I mean? And like now I can go to the pines. Right. Or grow grow three more inches, you know, like there's also height when it comes to Mm -hmm. the attractiveness. Attractiveness, you can also break down. Race, you can break down into like all the different categories that come with that that kind of hierarchy that happens with certain people um, and wherever they came from, what they learned, what they know. Uh, But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It it was an important way to start off this conversation. I think, I think there's, there's another detail that happened. Oh God, it was just placed so perfectly in there that relates to this conversation. So after sometime after the karaoke party, when Bowen Yang sings the Britney song, um, Charlie says like, oh, you know, it's so cool that, to, that I got to go to karaoke. Normally we just go to the parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mary, that is such a brilliant insight to bring in a movie that is about pride and prejudice, right? About class structures and, and forms of currency in the gay community. Because if you are Charlie and those friends, yeah, you just get invited to any fucking party. And to get invited to a party, you have to have different forms of currency. If you are wealthy, people know it. People will know you because you're just you're in that you're in that echelon. It's one of those things. So meeting yeah, you somebody live at Eight Ocean, you <laughs> yeah, live at oh Eight Ocean. God, I, I don't know. know. Oh my god, nine forty two Tarpon. Oh yeah. Oh I, I know my that god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sixteen Seagull Court. <laughs> oh, are you on tuna this year? How great. Oh, oh I love that place. Lovely. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But so uh, I I just found that detail so important because when they get invited to the the big party right the 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 big part charlie's house where there's yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they walk in like mary it it's true it like all of that is is real like to go to that party you're gonna see white successful rich seven percent body fat men dancing without their shirts off like that definitely exists and you rarely see them at tea or at Uh, karaoke or at cherries or wherever yeah that's interesting right like that there is this kind of like you know the the elite who like don't mix with everybody else and all they really do is either parties at their own house or you know going to that person's house down the walk or Mm -hmm. you know but all of it stays within a certain you know uh, it i mean on on well you'll see them on the ferry like right like sure you'll see them at the pantry right Unless they've got their own little boat or their own little, you know, I feel like I feel like if you're really that rich, you probably have different accommodations on the ferry, right? If you're that rich, I don't think there's that many like A list gay. Oh, sorry, A plus list gays going to Fire Island. They're going to the Hamptons. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it's like, but if you have like one of those big old honking houses with the big pool, you got to have at least a B plus list. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right, but and. You know what? To be honest with you, they they probably got there in May and stayed there, so you wouldn't see them on, mm. the, you know, the the ten forty five train to 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 uh, wherever Sayville. Sayville. Yeah. yeah, you know, you wouldn't so, see them. Yeah, 
And I actually, so I, I, this is, this is not, this sounds like a weird humble brag. I didn't get to ride on the ferry because my friend, he had like a oh little boat. Oh my God. Oh. He had a little boat. It was just like a little boat. And I was like, oh, is this like an option? So I toot, get to toot, Mary. <laughs> but it was like nothing fancy. It wasn't a yacht. And I don't know why, like, he's not like, you know, he they have money, but they're not, you know, I wasn't like hanging out with the Rockefellers. So it was, I didn't know is this normal? No, but uh, so I just assumed there were other people who had like little boats, not big oh, yachts, but just a little, okay. a little something a little that pop, gets pop. you from, mm-hmm. yeah, I get you from yeah. here to there. You know? It's very convenient because the ferry, the ferry is dependable like a subway train, but it only leaves at certain times, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's There's just the way it is. And there's Ugh. only so many connecting trains that you can catch. Like, yeah, it, it's not that convenient. Um, but it anyway, is a journey. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a detail I wanted to also point out: Margaret Cho. It's a very small line. She talks about how she shouldn't have invested in Quibi. Did you catch this? Oh, I mean that was well, because th- this this was supposed to be on Quibi. Oh this was no meant way! To be, there was supposed to be a. It was a series because Quibi was like ten minute episodes, oh. and so this was originally meant to be a series on Quibi called Trip. And then, obviously, you know, uh, quibby wibbied, you know, quibby wibby wibby, and uh, you know, all the way home. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And then it turned into a movie. And so, um, so yeah, they must have, uh, you know, a little topical humor. Yeah, that I was not expecting that because the last time I thought about Quibby was when there was the documentary about Switch and Play. I think, or no, Nightgowns. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That was on Quibi, and I was like, "Should I get Quibi?" And I never got it. <laughs> yeah, well, neither did a lot of other people. Yeah, uh, you know, on the note of Margaret Cho, you know, I think oh, we talked about this a little yeah. bit, but I, I went into this. Sometimes she's not the greatest. Actress. No, she's not. She's. I, you could just say that it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. fine. Uh, but I think that she was actually really good in this and, and like, played some very believable notes and was a lot more low-key than and, like, understated than I was expecting. I think she was great in this movie. She was good in this movie. I don't know if the material... I think she elevated the material. I do, too. I think I think her, what, her warmth and kind of her when she's just kind of like being herself really came through and there's like, is it, is it with Noah that one scene where they're, you know, yes. towards the end of the movie and yes. she's talking about like all the times, like she's, you know, the, all the stories I haven't told you of all the ways in which I fucked up and I've made mistakes mm. over the years. And you know, it's how I've ended up now at this point in my life where my only friends are a bunch of boys, half my age who are mostly using me for my house. And it was the fact that they acknowledged that, you know, like mm. I think it's very easy to just go, oh, there's this like group of queers and there there's their like older female friends. There's their mom. Yeah, there's the mom. And there isn't really like a questioning of like, oh, well, how did that all kind of work out? And how does she feel about it? You mm-hmm. know, because we, we see her being certainly the mom. And um, in the the only version of Pride and Prejudice I've seen is the Kira Knightley one. Uh, which was actually, it was really good. We did it for Best Supporting Podcast, and I was, so it's the only reason I watched it, and I was really into it, and this character was played by Brenda Blevin. So oh, you love her. Of course you I love course. her. Okay, 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 okay. So just for some context, I think I also was bringing some of that of like, oh, what if this was Brenda Blevin? But um, 
but I really I love that scene and I love kind of that acknowledgement of like there is there's a whole other story there of being however old Aaron's supposed to be let's say late 40s you know uh and all her friends are these like you know twinkie twunks in their late 20s early 30s Saturn return you know there's a I mean, we've talked about this before of like the preciousness uh, and fussiness of Fire Island. But I think about Margaret Cho's character here and kind of how it's kind of sad it is. Right. Because she feeds them in the morning and then we don't really see her spending like that much time with them. They go to the underwear party. She has a fabulous. Oh, my God. She had a fabulous night by herself. Oh, eating the ice mask. cream and the mask. Yeah. I was like, yep, yeah. that's what I'm doing while they're going to the mm-hmm. underwear party. But otherwise, like it is kind of this just tradition that kind of hung on. And it I think it's, it definitely goes both ways because I think she likes having the company and the purpose. Right. But I I, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, do you know what I'm getting I, at? I do. I do think it's really sad. I think she I think she likes having the company and the purpose, but I think what she's kind of saying, you know, or what's sort of implied here, even by the end of the movie, is like, okay, but when I don't have the purpose anymore, when I don't have the house, and there isn't kind of this, like, convening point, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that I own, then, like, do I have friends, though? Are these mm-hmm. my friends? Like, mm. does that does that transcend this? I mean, I think that's... Yeah, there is a whole other story there because it's like, you know, it's not like we see her with some other like older lesbians in Cherry Grove or anything like that. You know, what right. I mean? it's not like we we she is in some ways like I'm, I'm, I know, you know, it's not like all the houses are right on top of each other in the pines, but like hers feels kind of isolated in a way. Yeah, hers does feel really isolated. It's also weird, not weird, but it's just uncommon that it's, you know a woman on the pine side Mm -hmm. it happens sure it definitely happens don't get me wrong i'm not painting with a broad brush here but like for them to add that into the story is notable because there is a story there you know right right i mean i think that uh i'm glad that it wasn't some like fabulous older gay you know yeah it could have been harvey firestein you know it could have been right Yeah. Right. You know, like I loved Patrick Stewart in Jeffrey, which, you know, if you're an only Mary, you'll hear us talk about on Thursday. But like, I didn't need that character again right. here. Right. I I think I think there's a lot of narrative there. I think there's a lot to be said about older gays and perspective and what they could bring to this. But um, Th- that could have been really lovely, actually. It, yeah. really, it could have been lovely to have like a father or older brother figure there or uncle figure, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am glad it wasn't like a. A Debbie. It wasn't a Sharon Gless either. Right. And that's what I was concerned is like, because Margaret Cho could go there if she has. And so I was like, oh, no, don't just be a Debbie. Yeah. 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 Don't just be rooting for the gays. Right. She had a she had her own thing. Yeah. She had her own thing. And, uh, you know, she and in some ways, it's funny. I feel like she is the character I'm most interested in of like, where does she go off the island? What's her life? Off the islands, because I can kind of picture what Noah's is and what Howie's is, and like I can I can glimpse what these guys' lives are like. But I think for her, I mean, the, this experience that she's having on Fire Island of being kind of not invisible, but just being a little secondary, like how does that translate into the rest of her life? You know, mm. I unpopular opinion, odd take. I think I would be really interested 
in following Dex after the events of this movie. Dex is the guy that uh-huh. filmed uh, Matt Rogers' character, Luke, um, without his consent and all of that. I just want to know more about that. And because, like, oh, I started this podcast talking about how this movie was strongest in its details. One of the most brilliant details that I don't know if everybody would have seen is when Noah gives, um, no, Will gives Noah his Instagram, Dex's Instagram. And he's scrolling through. He's like, ah, it just looks, you know, like a bunch of thirst trap pictures, a bunch of shirtless pictures. But like the nuance that one of them, he was wearing a Stop Asian Hate mask and the other one had a Black Lives Matter sign, but he was naked in all of them. You know, like just Uh that nuance is for us. It's for us to see. It's for us to notice that little detail because that is very telling. It was, I mean, I thought that was very clever because, you know, I think what the movie was trying to not do was like, it's not that he has an OnlyFans. It's no. not that he, it, that, whatever, no big, I mean, until it becomes an issue with Luke. But like, that's not in a very subtle way. Because I don't think they could have done that in a heavier handed way without it feeling like a very special episode. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Of like. Talking about black put, squares, talking about, yeah. uh, you know, the Instagram um, influencers and all of those, that culture. But it's very vapid. And I think that's what Will was trying to point out that brilliantly Noah would not at that point see. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's. Uh, I thought that was, you know, that character of Dex even, I felt like it'd be very easy to just paint him. Obviously, he does, you know, a pretty awful thing with Luke, but I think, I don't know, there was something kind of, there was something interesting about, like, that last scene of him where he was like, I don't remember how what excuse he gave of, like, oh, he seemed really into it at the time, or there was just something, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, the, the character of Dex wasn't, like, stymied by the end of this movie he will continue you know yeah. what i mean like yep. there's also that like some I, you know in a movie where it's like and then the hero has a pot of spaghetti sauce dumped on his head and it's mm. over for him and the cops take him away you know like the villain in this one nobody he's his phone does his phone is waterproof the phone that he throws in the pool is waterproof i thought that was the perfect example of like mm. this guy's gonna be fine mm. yeah it reminds me I mean, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it reminds me of the show The Ozarks. Uh, like, people like that will be fine. They're just going to be fine. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I would be interested to see kind of um, what is what is going on in his head. Is he a narcissist? Is he, like, where? how did a Dex come to find his way? And who are his friends? Well, and I think that, like, the way that he it'd be very easy for him to just be like a standoffish, like hot fit white guy. But like, will I guess suggested like, no, he's like a totally different person with you, with people in the beginning. And like, Mm. you would never get the impression that Mm -hmm. he would do this. And I thought that was really interesting of like, because in some ways he's representing himself like the Prince Charming that Howie's looking for. And I thought that was interesting of like, Oh yeah. Like that classic, like, thing that like oh my god he's just so nice and friendly it's like that could also be covering up like really dark shit so it's not always like you mean charlie or noah dex dex so so noah because you said uh howie 
Sorry. No, I yeah, no, I meant Howie because Howie, I think, started the movie kind of like that was Noah's. Kind oh, of okay, okay, okay. Critique of him is like you need to drop this this you know yes, fairy the rom com. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a character like Dex who at kind of even for the audience we think he's this like nice hot guy for half mm. of the movie compared to someone like Cooper the um, oh god played by Nick Adams who is very much the classic mean gay and has like a mean gay face mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. it's so mean much body like, his muscles mean are even body. too mean he's, yeah he's got this mean Barry's boot camp body you know he's just mean yeah. tuesday legs and abs or whatever <laughs> it is yeah so i just i think that that i i liked that there was variations on the mean gay or variations on the toxic gay as well. Yeah. And more so. Yeah. No, I think, sorry. What I'm trying to say is the movie and the book pride and prejudice prejudice I read was originally going to be called first impressions. And so the, the book and then this movie, I think really explore all of that. I, one of the other lines that I loved, I really loved was when Will said to Noah, I think it was that, that was like, oh, you know, sometimes Charlie, uh, his his kindness can be confused with affection. Oh, yeah, that was interesting, too. Um, because yeah, I, that's very common. Yeah. All these nice little attractive, wealthy gay guys, right, that are pediatricians. And you have these yep. guys fawning all over them, but it's like, well, he's not interested in you, Mary. He's just nice. <laughs> and that and that we're so used to people being bitchy to each yeah, other that being exactly. nice must mean you're interested. No one's just, ever just yeah. nice to each other. Just clamor yeah. onto them. <laughs> yeah. If you're being well, oh, you you must want something. Oh, you um, like me. You like me. You really like you, me. You really like me. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, sort of on that topic, but Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we see any use of Grinder or Scruff in this movie. We do. We see it once uh, at tea. So they're all on, oh, on Grinder. Right. Yeah, this was right. This was something yeah. I I noted down. Being on Grinder at tea. Being on Grinder at all on the island. I am with. I think it was Max or Howie. This isn't what the gay liberation envisioned for us. And I get that the other argument of like, well. You know, I think actually Cucumber brings this up. It's like, that's exactly what they did. They created that. Like, the gay liberation created Grinder to happen. But what's interesting about being on Grinder at tea, I think, and this is my personal opinion, Mary, from being at tea before, but, like, it is kind of a faux pas. I would think so. I would think it's like you're, you're literally, like, you're swimming in a sea of... They all have faces. Everyone has faces. You can see them in action. Why would you want the faceless curated photo? It, it, but it also, I mean, it also is such a like, boy, does that not say a lot that for a lot of gays, you can be surrounded at a low T by a whole bunch of eligible dudes, but you only want to find them through Grinder, you know? And I think people do that at bars now, too. You know? Oh, completely. Yes, absolutely. I, You know, I think the... I don't know if anybody would be on it at tea, but I know that like you're on Grinder on the island and then you go to tea to like see them in person. Right. And if you uh-huh. have the guts to be like, oh, hey, what's up? And it's like, oh, hey, that's right. We on Grinder we were messaging and you, or hey, we were messaging on Grinder, or hey, uh, we already set up that I was going to see you at tea. Right. 
Because like uh-huh. you might say messaging with somebody on Grinder or Scrub, be like, "Oh hey, yeah, I'm going to tea in a little bit." Oh yeah, me too. Okay, cool. I'll look for you. And then that's it. Oh yeah, that's nice. That's a sort of meet cute. I think. I think so too. But if you're like looking at your phone while you're at tea, I, it, I, I. Again, no judgments, but like it is kind of a faux pas. It's like, nope, look up, have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I guess that was, I remember that of like, why are you on Grinder at T? <laughs> and I don't think he even gave an answer. I think he was just like, oh, shut up. Because it's like, that yeah. this is just what you do. It's kind of like at brunch, wait, 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 we have to take pictures of the food, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, whenever I see people doing it, I always just think, like, well, God. well, you know, okay. So it's, here, it's listen. Such a funny thing. Listen, if you're gonna lean, if you're gonna do it, lean in, right? So I also love the nuance of like, hey, let's take a picture before we get fucked up. Oh, let's take a picture before we stuff our faces, right? Like, I get that. Everybody wants to look their best when they're promoting themselves on social media, which is why I thought the nuance of Charlie having a private Instagram. It was so brilliant. He's like, private Instagram. It's like, what's he hiding? I think Luke's right, character right. says that. Um, and of course, Luke's character would say that, right? Just a brilliant, again, a little detail of this movie that I think just strengthened the movie more. Yeah, it, this is it, it definitely rewards a second viewing for like all of the little the little hintsies. And and I I definitely think, you know, having Pride and Prejudice, there there's one character, like my favorite character in Pride and Prejudice is um, she's like a friend of Elizabeth's and I think her name is Charlotte okay. and she's a friend and and she's like not a very pretty, this actually would have been really interesting in this movie because Charlotte was like not a super pretty girl and was, you know, it was just getting to the point where like she was going to need to kind of like settle and in some ways what they were exploring with Howie and Noah was a little bit like that scene in the bathroom where it's like you know it's different for you and for me like I you know it just doesn't apply like that just the the sense that Howie does not have that same sense of freedom or choice or the feeling that he has the same sense of freedom and choice that Noah does and so um there's this great line in in the this version of Pride and Prejudice that I've seen where Charlotte says to um, Elizabeth, "Don't you judge me, Lizzie." And she has this whole little monologue, and it's amazing. Oh. And I, and it's just like it was honestly like my my only disappointment about this movie was that we didn't get more of like a clear Charlotte character because that exists in the gay community on Fire Island ad nauseum. Well, and that brings up a like kind of a a. I don't know, a negative critique I have about the the, the, sh- the movie. Obviously, the movies can only be so long. They wanted to be focused. But Max's character was completely lost. Well, yes. Then there was Max's character, who I felt was lost and then sometimes felt like when Deborah Messing was pregnant while they were filming Will and Grace and they had to keep hiding her behind pocketbooks and couches. Mm. They really Deborah Messing pregnanted uh, Max in this movie. I felt he was very hidden. And it was such an interesting premise for somebody in the friend group, somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I don't I don't go here to hook up. And meanwhile, like he still puts out in the meat rack. Right. Like there is there is that too, that sense of shame, that also sense of being an outsider, but going anyway because you do want to go to the underwear party like Max's character probably wouldn't have gone to the underwear party, but he did. And I think that's interesting. 
Right. I mean, it's certainly, I think the drugs helped because then he has kind of a, <laughs> yeah, right. a meltdown. I and I love that scene outside the bathroom. Same. I am worth it. <laughs> I am special. And it was, so, I mean, it was such a great moment. That was actually, I laughed the hardest, I think, at that scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think then there's, that's a whole other story of like, he's really the only like, you know, bigger person that we see in this movie. Correct. Yes. So I kind of would have wanted to see like, like that to me and the and the end he's black so it's like there's yep. that narrative of like not fit white guy you know like there's there's all of that of like and how is that different you know like what is his experience as like a fat black guy on fire island versus like bowen as like a femi asian twink on or twunk really on fire island like what is similar but then what's different yeah i think it's very different i think I mean, yeah, I just think it's very different. I think it is much less common for that body type to be featured Mm -hmm. in these scenes, whether it's the scene at Aaron's house or it's the scene at, you know, Charlie's house. Uh, I, I, I do think that that is another spinoff of Fire Island, you know, Fire Island 2, uh, Max's Adventure, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see that. I would love to know more about the character that, like, is, is so aggressively being this voice of, like, you know, um, profound rationale, you know, unromantic rationale with, with his nose buried in a book mm. and, and, but is still hooking up. Like, I want to see the, yeah, how do you get around this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because let me tell you, Mary, as somebody that like, I don't know, I'm going again very soon. Like there are ways around all of these narratives and you can still have a great time. I would never go to the underwear party. And that's no, not because I'm judging mm-hmm. it. It's just like that is not my scene. Also, the underwear party looks nothing like that. So uh, that's. <laughs> yeah. So that was my question, because that was one of the lines in the movie. And it is worth mentioning. It's interesting how both this and Clueless have like a narr- the, the character narrating. Um, mm. So I love that that little tie in. Uh, but, you know, I think Noah says like. Uh, Everybody is, you know, it, everybody goes to the underwear party. That's just everybody's invited. Yeah, everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Yeah. So, what, what does it really look look like? Oh, it's just not as sexy. The lighting isn't as sexy. Uh huh. It's much more. God, it's like what you get in the mail instead of what you see online. It's just yeah. yeah. It it actually is a lot more of people being insecure. Then unless it's like mm-hmm. it's unless it's like a big Fire Island Pines party or it's, you know, a circuit party that comes to the island, that's very different. But the underwear party on a Friday night, you know, a regular weekend is not going to be like this. It's not going to be as all of those gorgeous bodies and the lighting being so dramatic and sexy and and all of that. It's just not. But uh, it, it still exists. And it is. I don't know. Not everybody goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. It's probably maybe different, and similar in some ways, but I guess this weekend was Queen's Pride, and so I did not. I did not attend. It didn't. I think it was all in like Jackson Heights, but um, I saw some Facebook friend that like posted like a video at some bar you know afterwards and you know was was kind of holding the camera up and was like kind of showing the three sixty view of everybody there, and. It was so not glamorous at all. You know, it was very much, I think, what you're talking about, where it was just like, you know, the lighting was nothing special. Just a lot of, like, 
schmoes standing around drinking. And I there was just something about it where I was like, God, I love how like this is so not what people think like a gay pride bar mm-hmm. situation looks like. Yeah. This is so just like and I, banal, but in a way that, like, thank God, we don't have to be so fucking fabulous, you know? Mm. You can just be banal and go have a drink, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, I think for the drama of the movie, you know, it's, it's fine. I think it works as kind of a pinnacle scene uh, for all of them. It's where they all get separated. You know, it, it a, a lot of chaos happened. Uh, there was that back room scene and Mary... I know this is a freescape, but I'm just going to say it. I love a back room. I just love that they exist. I love, I just love them. Well, uh, are, <laughs> are you going to participate within no. them? Uh, no, no, uh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 okay. no, no, but I love that they exist. I love the idea of them that like things get so hot. We got to go over there. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's it's crazy how like certainly in New York we don't really have that anywhere unless it's like a party where they like put a curtain up. Well, um, Mary, have you been to the Q bar? I have not been to the Q bar. Okay. Wait, no, maybe I have. Where is that? It's the new bar that opened up during the pandemic. It has three floors on Eighth Avenue. Oh no, 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 no! I have. Oh, it has a back room. Yep. A new bar has a back room. Mm-hmm. And is it being used? I don't know from personal experience. Wow. All right. Well, that's great. The only experience I've had in New York with a back room was, was some party in Ridgewood that I went to a couple years ago, and it was like some coat room that they were like, here, you guys can fucking hear. And it was... <laughs> That's all I can say about that. It was, it was, there was like folding chairs. I mean, it was, it was like fucking in a black box studio. You know what I mean? It was just like, what are we doing? This is a fringe show. Okay. And so, okay. yeah. There were cubes. There were cubes. Oh, God. Um, okay. I have to, I'm just going to go on a little tangent. This story won't take too long. So, backroom story for you for our free skate Marys. I was living in Chicago. Those that know Chicago, if you go to Jackhammer and go downstairs to the basement, I, when I lived there, they call it the hole. When you went down to the hole, it was usually you had to check your clothes, right? So, you check your clothes at the door, you're in your underpants. You're hanging around, you're having a, a drink or whatever. There's a back room in the hole. Um, so the hole has a back room. Got it? And it's very it. dark. So is there a back room back there? <laughs> so my friend Garrett, I love him. Uh, he he was like, oh, girl, I want to go into the back room. He's like, will you hold my wallet? I'm like, sure. So I was holding his wallet. Of course, that also included his keys and like so, like a little like purse or something that he had. Um, so I was holding his stuff and I was standing just outside of the back room, not, not where I could like even peek in cause it was very dark in there. And I'm standing there in my underwear, holding my friend's keys, his, uh, phone. That's what it was. Uh, his keys, his phone and his wallet. And you know, it, the music's kind of bumping. All of a sudden I hear, wait, stop. Nobody move. And Garrett's like very, very gay voice. I dropped my glasses. <laughs> oh God! Well, is that kind of what happened in this movie where he was like, 
Howie and everyone like looked up. No. Oh no, yeah, no. yeah. Like that one. the idea that the backroom sex could stop. Of like, oh wait, hold on. Oh, hold on. I don't know your name, but hold on. He dropped his glasses. Yeah, hold yeah. On. Do you have, do you have so, yeah. Phone? No, yeah. literally. So it it was, and then two seconds later, maybe five seconds later, I heard like ruffling, and then okay, I found them. <laughs> it's back on. Oh, I died. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, so, yeah, so that sex, well, that's a different backroom situation. That's like, I don't know. That's like, at a, I've never been in that situation where I'm at a gay party and there's a sex room. Have you ever been in that situation? Uh, where there's been a, well, I, I, I mean, I guess that place with the cubes, I guess that was the sex room. Um, I mean, I've never been to like, a, I've been to like a sex party, but I've never been to one where like, Oh hey, everyone's fucking in that room if you want. You know what yeah, I mean? Like there's right. never been like it's going on while I'm in the other room. You know what I mean? Like right. knowing that like, oh man, right now, you know, it, I, it's happening. I feel like it happens when there's a some some types of drugs present. I feel like that is very common where things will lead yeah. to that in that specific room. So uh that was an interesting scene. And I was glad that they did not cut that from this movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that there is, like, an, an intention to still be, like, you know, casual, sex positive and, and all of that in a way that I, I think it's very easy to be heavy-handed about, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think I, I was really impressed how, like, there was a very casual way to be sex positive in this movie versus being preachy about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, also to the point where I think the movie was also commenting on it, I don't know if you caught this, but I caught a bit of satire when Dex is talking with Noah as they're leaving the pantry. Uh, and he says, like, oh, you've read The Ethical Slut? And Noah goes, yeah, it's formative. And I was kind of like, huh, that felt uh. a little, like... You know, yeah, it, it it felt like kind of like if you're watching a movie, where it could be two characters, kind of that that the main characters over here having a ridiculous conversation, right? Like, yeah, the idea of being like, oh god, the ethical slut was formative. I mean, it, it's such a, I think in the way like we've talked about the Velvet Rage a thousand times, and mm. I just feel like that is one that it means to me when I, if I talk about the velvet rage with someone or if i see that they have it it's a very different ear tug and a very different like oh yep you're you see things in a certain way than the ethical slut agreed the ethical slut and full disclosure i i did buy a copy and i think i got like 10 pages <laughs> in uh so read me all you want but i did not finish it I, it's not it was not formative for me at all uh but i feel like it's a little bit of a like Look at this earring I've got on. Look at this new tattoo. Like it's a, it's there's, I I sort of feel like gays throw the ethical slut around as if it, there's a little bit of clout to to having read it. You know. Well, yeah, yes. I think really what it is for me is like you can read that book, and try to live it, uh, but I don't think that I think it more just gives a license than it uh, and a justification for behavior. Rather than understanding why they're like a Noah, really understanding why Noah is the way that he is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I there's a from what I had read of it, there was certainly a um, a tone of like, hey, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Instead of kind of I mean, because because let me tell you, Mary, I, don't, I just so there's no so we're all clear. It is fine. And 
there are many gay men that I think might encounter that book and not also investigate why they're having a lot of sex or why they fear intimacy or why monogamy doesn't work for them. You know what I mean? A hundred and ten percent. I do. I <laughs> count myself. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Uh, I don't want to be in a relationship. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be in a relationship. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to continue it, but uh, I know. But that's a you know. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I do know what you're talking about. I there's a topic that I want to discuss that I thought was also brilliant. I'm sure this rang true and was a very funny part of the movie for others that have been on Fire Island. But the gay guy complaining about the box of cheese its price at the pantry is spot on. Also, that young little straight girl is also spot on because the local girls uh-huh. that run the ferry and the pantry, most of them, if not all of them that I've encountered, are the sweetest kids and probably have seen and dealt with the worst of us. Oh, I I would love. No, there's other characters I'd love to interview. Is mm. like the, the staff, but no, that little character. No, wait, am I right? Was that little character, um, what's his name? Uh, John Roberts. Was that John Roberts? I don't know. I don't know. I believe I saw him in the cast, and then it was only at like the very last moment of that scene where I was like, I that does kind of sound like him. Let me see. Well, look it up because let me tell you, I. It, the pantry is, like, incredibly expensive. I think it's important that they, you know, keep their prices high uh, because it's – it's there's no demand – or not no demand. There's no competition. Like, they there's no other place to get groceries on that island. So it's like, mm-hmm. girl, bring your own shit then, you lazy fuck. Also, well, yeah. it costs money to ship everything there. So there is going to be, like, an extra 2 or $3. So I get why it's high. And for there are the gay guys every single time I've been there that have complained about the prices while in the store. It's wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, that almost feels like a faux pas to, like, not – come to fire island like with your groceries you know it yes um, or expect like okay i'm gonna buy stuff on the island and i have to budget double the price yeah it's like going to the airport like it's yep. gonna be more absolutely the airport absolutely um, so i i don't think that character has a name he is credited as pat and i do i am going to say that there is no one else in the in the cast as like ornery uh you know pantry uh, customer. So I'm going to say that that's probably John Roberts. And I, I'd love to see a little short film about that character, that like mm. old weird. Cause you know, I'll tell you, he didn't I have a good like, time. He, he was buying cheese. It's Mary. He wasn't he was buying cheese. It's yeah. But you know, like what's he, I mean, fussy, fussy, ornery, uh-huh. you know, like there's that. I, in some ways that character is like, I'm like, Oh God. Like, please don't let me, please don't let me be in a pantry yelling at someone about cheese. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? I know. Don't let me ever be that man. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'm more than that. I I hope you are too, Mary. I think so. (laughs) I, I'd bring my own cheese. It's, they probably don't even have white cheddar, which is the one I like. Wow. Wow. Why, why white cheddar, Mary? Why it gotta be white. Yeah. Well, just Um, saying, just saying. Um, Sorry. There. Okay. Some other details. The social gatekeeper gay. Social gatekeeper gay. This is what uh, Dex called Will. And 
I think that this was an interesting thing also to bring up in the movie in terms of currency in the gay community, different kind of levels in the gay community, the social gatekeeper, right? And some would say that sometimes our commentary edges on social gatekeeping because we're like, oh, the fussiness, right? Or, oh, grinder and oh, scruff, right? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. Yeah, totally. It's like it's said in this this declarative way of the things the way things should be. There's this like, ugh, it, it's very much like, ugh, know your references. It's very that mm. that I know. All I right, get Mary. That. It's uh, that's it's the name very, of our yeah. podcast. Right? No, it's yeah, right, and Mary. I get it. Get I get it. it. All right. Sometimes, right. sometimes I draw that line, but like at the end of the day, you know, uh, podcasting is art, and art is subjective. <laughs> oh my God, is it art? Oh God, no, it's like but it's subjective. Art. It's very subjective. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you loved the the time that Noah goes into the bathroom and tries to open a stall. Oh, and uh, yes, I I, thank you. I felt so that someone was in there pooping and he's like, at a party? And I was (laughs) like, exactly. Go home. That is your cue to go home. If you have to poop at the underwear party, it's time to go home. <laughs> Put that on a cake <laughs> and eat it. And then poop it out at home. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, we didn't talk about Peppermint's cameo. Yeah, Peppermint. I thought, she, you know, it, it's always a, a question of how these drag race girls are going to be in a movie, even if they're just playing themselves. Mm. I thought she was very charming. She was very charming. Fun fact, my friend Matt Ray was one of the extras on stage. Oh, wow, in a dance-off. Yeah, oh. he was all the way on the end. He was like the taller guy on the end, uh, my friend Matt Ray. he's uh, We went to school together, to college together. Um, very, very sweet man. Uh, and I was happy to see him in the movie. <laughs> wow. Yes, I think it was his um. birthday when they filmed this, so that's like another little detail. Um, I got to say... I'm glad we're talking about this scene because this, is, I mean, Conrad is so fucking adorable in this scene. I I just can't. I can't. I cream my basement, Mary. Just filled it. Filled it with cream. I, uh, I, I definitely felt a lot of empathy in that moment. I would have. That would be my nightmare to be forced to do a dance off. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you know. But you know. But you know. I think the spirit of the scene, I think the fact that we had, granted, our Marys haven't heard it yet, but we had just recorded our Jeffrey episode, uh, or maybe we recorded it the next day, but I had already watched it. I don't know. In any event, I felt like there's also that, like, well, girl, what else are you doing on this planet? You know, have a have a sip of fun soup and do a dance-off. Nobody here cares what you look like. And I thought there was it was sweet that he kind of got over it and just, like, gave uh, into it. So, so I, cute. So you cute. Know. And the, the little nuance of that character eating a little ice cream cone. I mean, they they really poured on, like, the swoon sauce for Conrad's character. And, and yet he was also, you know, a, a chilly guy. I mean, he didn't warm up easy. And I feel like that was um, – I, 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 it's very similar to Pride and Prejudice, right? Because I think he is the – Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy character, and I and it's tr- it was the same thing with Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Where like halfway through, I was like, and there's also in the in the Kira Knightley version, there's a big you know rain scene. Like I think the rain scene oh. in this was very much a kind of nod to the rain scene in the 20, 2005 version. Um, 
But, you know, like even in Pride and Prejudice, there's having not known where the story was going to go when I was watching it, I was like, what are you? This guy is such a curmudge. He's such a nudge. Yeah. Like, move on. And yeah. he's just such a mugh. And then, you know, it comes it comes around and he just needs to warm up. You know, he just needs to, to open up. I mean, he laughed at all of Noah's jokes. That was a, an interesting nuance that, that was throughout the film. I... Thank God. Yeah. I I also loved when Conrad, oh, uh, I think Noah's character is like, he's kind of like poking at him. He's like, oh, you're not good at parties. Oh, who would have known? This guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Will oh, is yeah. like, uh-huh. okay, calm down. I just, oh God, I swooned, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate to be that gay, but, you know, when I picture the two of them in bed, I obviously mm. picture Will is a very demanding, commanding, Oof. but gentle top. Yeah. Yes, okay, gentle top, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess um, incessant is what I picture him as, which also turns me on. He's just, oh, yeah. it's kind of like mm-hmm. a tsunami. Like it just, ke- it, it's, it's slow. You don't know that it's happening. And then it's like, wow, you are totally you know. taken. Totally yeah, taken. Your, your car is just flipped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I loved, I love the peppermint scene that also that song is such a great song and I'm happy that it was in here. Heart to break. You know, that song. Uh, I think I do, but Heart I, I to don't break that song. The Kim Petras song. Oh yes, 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 yes. It wasn't, wasn't it a, wasn't it a lip sync on an episode? I feel like sure. maybe it was a different Kim Petras song, but I, I think it was a different. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I love the addition of that. And speaking of songs, um, Bo and Yang, you, what I like about the karaoke scene is that it starts out as kind of like, oh, he's kind of a mediocre singer. And then as he continues, he just reveals that he actually has the technical chops and you just have to adjust to his tone. And I was like, I love that that happened. Yeah, I, I uh, it's probably not in terms of technical uh, the same, but I liked there was a uh, an energy of of Cammy D and my best friend's wedding. Oh yeah, you know of like building up to it and then like finding the groove. And even though she's never like good, there's the similar thing of like, girl, you're gonna st- your your uh, your wheels are on the track. Take it home, girl. Mm-hmm. I don't take it home. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Uh, there's a, one other detail I want to talk about, and then maybe if you want, we can give some final thoughts on popular opinions. We can save if you want, but one little detail when, oh, I think it was, is it Noah's missing? Who was missing? Uh, Howie? No, Luke Howie is missing. Was, no, Luke is oh, missing. Luke, and yeah. I, or somebody was missing. And, uh, Keegan says, I swear if something happened to him, like we were making a podcast. <laughs> Oh yes, yeah. It's very important. It's a big deal. Oh, that yeah. little detail, Mary, of like the two gay friends. Well, they're they're also making a podcast. Luke and Keegan were making a podcast. <laughs> well, are they friends or boyfriends? I thought they were friends that like were just all over each other. Those girls that are just like consistently like preening each other. Oh, I was reading them as boyfriends the whole time. I'm not saying that's what it was, but I had just assumed they were boyfriends. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'll probably rewatch this movie. Um, I'll need to because we're doing it on uh, later this week on the Best Sporting Podcast. So, uh, and I think I'm gonna just zoom in on Margaret Show. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna find all her little. I think she is. I mean, like other than I think 
Margaret Cho and Bo and Yang are probably the best performances in this movie. I really loved, and I guess I'm just biased, but I really loved Conrad. I thought that he was able to be charming and cold. Like I, I just, yeah, I thought it was a great performance. But yeah, Bo and Yang was fantastic. So was Joe Kim Booster, though, Mary. Noah was great. I think there were some clunky parts, and who knows if it was his writing or if it was the camera or what i don't know but um uh he, yeah. he also was very strong i will say this like meg ryan and tom hanks were in at least three rom-coms together why can't conrad and joel be in three more like put them in three more you cowards i i don't know what would well what would, what do you think the next one should be what do you it's totally unrelated to fire island what's the next gay oh. rom-com oh, they if can they were if they were our new meg and tom I think they could remake Shop Around the Corner, but make it about Chelsea or Hell's Kitchen. <gasps> a You've Got Mail? Yes. For, for our generation? Yes. You've Got a DM? <laughs> um, I am all for that. I love You've Got Mail. So, um, Like Conrad be would be, you know, the big corporation and, you know, uh -huh, the Shop Around uh -huh. the Corner is little Joel, Booster, Joel Kim Booster. Like, I just love that. Yeah. And now what if it was like instead of it being a bookstore, what if what if Noah worked at like a little like a acai bowl and like juice shop and then like Conrad worked at like a big Whole Foods kind of place that was going to like obviously have a juice bar? I think we could make it gayer and bring in some more commentary about gay businesses and make it um, a, a small gay bar like Ninth Avenue Saloon versus a Q bar. And Conrad is a very A-list kind of um, investor gay. And then you have the, you know, Joel Kim Booster, who, who uh, maybe he inherited the, the, gay, the gay bar from, you know, his best friend who just died or who, who moved or something. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they can talk about the new gentrification happening in the gay neighborhoods. I just can't think of anything gayer than an acai bowl, Mary, but I'll go with that plot. But that is, to me, that's the, you know, you eat it with a douche bulb. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's that gay. Oh, I just love that drink. I love that you just, drink. You suck up some of the acai and you just squirt it in your mouth. Oh, Mary. <laughs> it's true. Maybe that's something that they do. Maybe they have a combo sex toy acai bar. Okay, well. Yeah, That's how it goes, uh, Mary? Final thoughts on this movie? Any other thoughts? I, uh, you know, I my final thought on this is it's interesting how we are starting the summer with Fire Island, and then at the tail end of the summer and the beginning of fall is going to be Bros, mm. which and I think those two as as Bookends? some sort of bookends sisters of some sort estranged cousins we won't know until we see bros but i feel like i might wait to see fire island again till i've watched bros mm. or like watch them back to back because i that's what i'd really be interested in i mean obviously when bros comes out we're gonna do an episode like yeah. obviously it's gonna be like when we did mrs doubtfire on patreon we had to split it into two episodes for sure um so by the way if you've never been a patreon a reason enough to join is that we did like three hours on Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> once, but um, we did. But yeah, I and I we did my cousin Vinny. So that's another thing. To, we did do my cousin Vinny. Yes. Yeah, yes. Um, we did not do in the bedroom, but I did do it on, on in the details. So you can listen to it there. Um, but 
yeah, I, I'll be very curious to see how this compares or how this sits next to bros. Um, and it's interesting how they're like two big, all gay, you know, real gay movies coming out within months of each other. I think it's very exciting. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's interesting because I thought this movie was fine. And you know what? I thought The Wedding Planner was fine. You know, I like rom-coms are supposed to just be fine. And there were details in this movie that made me excited because I'm a gay guy that got them. Yeah, it feels good to be to get the jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think there's um yeah, there's there's that thing of like and it's not the obvious jokes, you know what I mean? Like it's it's it feels good when somebody kind of just does a little ear tug and if you get it, you get it. What do you think about the nuance of this? This movie is a great made-for-TV movie. I, it does have that energy a little bit. Um, what what do you think makes it made-for-TV? Uh, maybe not made-for-TV, but there's just, I don't know if it was just like the production quality or, I, or, I don't know, but there was, there was something that wasn't as elevated and I don't mm -hmm. know what it was and maybe that's what was missing there needed to be another edit another rewrite a, a, a different kind of scene added I don't know but there was some moments of this that I was like okay this is very TV instead of theater uh, and mm. and that's a critique again this movie was fine and I, I think everybody should see it I feel like it's very unpopular to say anything negative about this movie right now because we want more movies like this, right? Uh, it's kind of like when Pose came out, you couldn't really critique Pose because we were just so happy that it was, that it existed. And there was this like, kind of like territory that you didn't want to go into. And I feel like this movie kind of lives there sometimes, even though it was great. There are, there are some things about it that I'm like, well, it, it's not amazing, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I know what you're saying, and 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 I think it's like th that feeling of like, oh, but if we criticize it, then it we're not helping it grow, and we're not helping foster more movies like this. And I think that that's one way to look at it. But I think another side of it is like, keep the bar high. Why shouldn't gay movies feel like? elevated why shouldn't they feel like great movies and not just like good tv movies like why shouldn't fire island kind of be why can't we look at this and go hey this is really accomplished and as we're starting to see more like you know uh, nuanced gay movies bros in a few months it's like here here's some more things i'd love to see and i think mm -hmm. that'll again be interesting after seeing bros of like what was missed what are we what do we feel is missing after two very different but also very overarching gay narratives you know what i mean like mm -hmm. what so maybe it's like i and i it probably isn't fair to judge these as kind of companion pieces but like i think that'll be my big takeaway after bros and fire island what do i feel is not still happening you know right um, wasn't being said yeah 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 and yeah. and i think that's you know um that doesn't mean that they failed it's just kind of like uh i don't know just acknowledging that like yeah, there's always room for more. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I think of movies like Trick, which feels very cinematic. 
I think of movies like Jeffrey, which was a play first, but I think also totally made sense to see it in an IFC theater. And with Fire Island, it does feel more um, a small screen, which maybe yeah. isn't a bad thing. I don't even know yet, but I do. Th- I I am excited that this is like a start for something for more. Right? It doesn't have to be uh, Joel's best work. It can be a really great start to more of of the same. Uh, because again, rom coms do not have to be perfect. What I love about this rom-com is that it's saying more than most rom-coms do. Yeah, I think it took the opportunity, right? Like, it took the opportunity if you're going to have a movie with, uh, you know, gay Asian leads and you're going to have it, you know, being made, you know, let's say it's, you know, there's no COVID suggestions in this, but it's a 21st century era kind of movie. Like, you have all of this material to talk about. It would be a waste to not talk about it in some way and so i don't i think this movie if anything we probably just recognized oh god there are so many storylines this movie couldn't cover you know what i mean like Mm. if this was an actual television series not on quibi but like on a real channel uh that would be really cool that's something i'd love to see is like expand this but let us see even more stories and more characters take us to cherry grove a little more you know yeah i'd like to take the tags off you know yeah exactly uh, yeah, I, and I don't want to see the A-list Fire Island gays. Like that's those aren't the stories that I, I I'm interested in. I'm interested in the Maxes. I'm interested in the Margaret Cho's. I'm interested in more of the Wills and the Noahs and the Howies. I I that to me is much more nuanced. Even if it's from the perspective of the girl home for the summer from school, working at the pantry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like a character in the series. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I I honestly I could see how this could really work as a series because it's like there are all of those narratives and and let's see some old gays as well. Let's get their yes. point of view, you know? Yes, because they are very much a big part of going to Fire Island. Like Right. Right. I just I think there is like it is you know, it is all these other you know, it's a sort of gay vacation destination, but it is, you know, a in terms of gay history in the twentieth century, like it's a significant you know, it's a significant location. There's a narrative there, and and it would, it would be cool to see that represented as well. Absolutely. Uh, I guess my one final thought that I have to just get out. My one critique: the meat rack is so dark. It is so dark. There's no signs. There's nothing. There is nothing. There's like paths that maybe you might take the right way, the right one, and. I when they had the rain scene, I was like, it is much too bright for that. Yeah, I I assumed I was like, well, you know, it's like you know, there was some director I was was reading an interview with, and um, you know, I guess talking about night scenes and talking about dark scenes, and someone was like, yeah, but like, where are these lights coming from that are lighting up this dark scene? And he had a really good response. He said they're coming from the same place the music's coming from. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just I and I so that's not no, like I a get take it. that, I get but it. yeah, I it put me in my place of like, well, I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I guess I don't question I that, do I? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but I do want to just like take out the romanticism of the meat rack because like, it's. It doesn't feel it feels dangerous at night. I'd love to see that too. I'd love to see like the way the meat rack feels uh, dangerous, but also just like 
che- there's got to be like a mix of like dangerous, but also like, oh, for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like there's also just like, oh, God, you know, it's like when the raccoons get into your trash at night, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it feels dangerous like somebody's going to assault you. It's dangerous because you can't see. You just right, can't right. see. And like somebody might be just ahead of you. And even if they're not assaulting you, they're still going to surprise you. They're still going <laughs> to jump scare you, yeah. you know? Freak me out. Yeah, yeah. Freak me out. Fly around, all right? Freak <laughs> me out. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I was so happy that we were able to have an extended discussion from our Gaycations episode on Patreon that we had on Fire Island. And uh, Mary's out there. Let us know your thoughts. If you have any, please reach out to us on Instagram at allrightmarypod. You can also email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary. And if you want, I'm on Instagram, a private account. What's he hiding? What's he hiding? (laughs) At Johnny also. And you can hear even more of me and my other two podcasts in the details, a celebration of nuance or best supporting podcast, a celebration of best supporting actresses, including this week. If you want to hear me talk about Fire Island again, you can hear me on Thursday um, or no Friday, Friday. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, not a private account. Got nothing to hide. Uh, a lot of pictures of my cat. And... Um, uh, you can, of course, get more of both of us on Patreon, as previously mentioned, at patreon.com slash allrightmary, where you can catch up on all of our coverage of Drag Race España Season 2. You can hear, if you become an only Mary, you could hear not only our episode on Jeffrey this Thursday, but an episode we did a couple weeks ago about our own gaycations in Fire Island and Fort Lauderdale. So... All of that's at patreon.com slash all right, Mary. All right, Mary. Well, I think it's appropriate to use the same send-off music that we used for the vacation episode. This is The Village People, Fire Island. Totsie.